The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. Coming up on Life Today, author and speaker Christine Kane encourages us to trust that if we're still here, God's not done yet. Sometimes you just got to look at the enemy and say, on your best day, you didn't take me out on my worst day. I am still here. I am still fighting. I'm still going. I'm still going to lay a hold of all of that for which Christ Jesus laid a hold of me. You're still here. Join us as we spend Wednesdays in the Word, learning to be wholehearted, not brokenhearted. Christine well, Christine, I, I hate to tell you this, but uh, some very well-known Baptist preachers said, well, don't tell anybody we said it, but Christine Kane's the best preacher we've ever heard. <laughs> she can communicate. I said, well, I just call her testifying and teaching, you know. I, I, let's don't get uh, hung up on all the places we disagree. Let's look at the Lord, the Lamb. Let's look at His body revealing Him as He is. Christine does that. I, I love the title of this message, Wholehearted or Brokenhearted. Uh, one of the points she makes is that if you are still here. If we're still here, he's not finished. He's not done. And God has a purpose for us. Betty, we will live out the rest of our lives till Jesus comes or we go to be with him, seeking to see his dream, his vision fulfilled, his prayer answered. And I believe that together, if we really seek his will, thy kingdom come, thy will be done right here on this earth through your body. I believe we're going to see him high and lifted up. Will you welcome Christine Kane? We're going to turn in our text today to Joshua chapter 14 verse 6. And if you're tuning in on the other side of the screen and you've kind of never opened a Bible, stick with me because I'm going to tell you what the fountain of eternal youth is. This is going to be uh, so much more effective than trying to find out how to stay young out there. Uh, just listen to this and you're going to find out how to stay young. Now, the Bible says in verse 6 of chapter 14, Joshua, now the men of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite, said to him, you know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea about you and me. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. And I brought him back a report according to my convictions. But my brothers who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt with fear. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. So the hearts melted, and now he's following God, the, God wholeheartedly. So on the, that day, Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever, because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Are we getting a theme here? He has followed God wholeheartedly. The people that didn't, their heart melted. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses, while Israel moved about in the desert. So here I am today. 85 years old. So if you're listening to this and you're 85, this is for you. He goes on. I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. 
I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. I hope you're getting a theme here. An 85-year-old says, excuse me, I'm not retiring, I'm refiring. I'm just as vigorous to go out to war now as I was then. I mean, this is getting me fired up. Now, give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard then that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified. But the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. Then Joshua blessed Caleb of Jephunneh and gave him Hebron as his inheritance. So Hebron has belonged to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, ever since because he followed the Lord, the God of Israel, wholeheartedly. Wholeheartedly. Why? Because he was the strongest? No. Because he was the fastest? No. Because he was the most eloquent? No. But because he followed the Lord his God wholeheartedly. There's a lot to be said here about being wholehearted. I mean, these were... This is Caleb talking to Joshua. I mean, maybe you've heard this story before. They were the only two out of the original million men that came out of slavery in Egypt that crossed uh, through the Red Sea when it parted. And they are the only two that went from Egypt into the wilderness and then into the promised land out of that original group that came out of slavery. And it's so amazing that he had seen so many signs and wonders and miracles. I mean, he'd seen the Red Sea part. He'd seen manna falling from heaven every day for 40 years, several times a day. He had seen uh, the River Jordan push back and, you know, the walls of Jericho come down. He had fought battle after battle to continue to take the territory. I mean, he'd seen a lot in his life. And he says, hang on a minute, I've seen a lot. I might have seen the Red Sea part. I might have seen the Egyptian army drown. I might have seen manna come from heaven. I might have seen the River Jordan push back. I might have seen Jericho walls fall down. I might have taken land, but that's not what this whole deal's about. I've still got something ahead of me that God promised me way back then, and that's Hebron. And although I've achieved, remember, we ended with forgetting those things that lie behind, both good and bad. Sometimes we get so stuck on all the great accomplishments and achievements and acquirements that we've had that we think, well, you know what? I've done enough. He's not saying I've done enough. He says, I still haven't done the very thing I came here to do. You can all applaud me. You can all celebrate me. You can all think I've done great things. And here's my trophies and here's my acquisitions. But you know what? God promised me Hebron. And while there's still breath in my lungs, while my heart's still beating, while my blood's still pumping, I am going after the one thing that God said that I can have. I'm 85. I'm 85. I'm just a spring chicken. I am. Now that's what he's essentially saying. That's what it says in the original Hebrew. It says that I am just a spring... <laughs> chicken. He says, I've had to survive 40 years in the wilderness with people murmuring, grumbling and complaining. It was supposed to be a three days journey from bondage into freedom. But no, we had to do laps around Mount Sinai for 40 years. I had to hear the same old people grumbling and grumbling and complaining and telling us why we couldn't go in. I mean, we came out of Egypt, but Egypt never came out of them. And I had to listen to them doing laps around Mount Sinai for 40 years. You know what? I got the T-shirt, I got the video, I've got the DVD series, and I'm not going back. I listened to all of that. Somehow, though, I'm still full of fire. Somehow I'm still full of joy. I'm still so full of zeal. I didn't get cynical. See, some of us, we've been doing life around the mountains with some people that have been murmuring, grumbling and complaining for a whole lot of years. They're telling us why it can't... I mean, you might even live with that person. Look straight ahead right now. I'm not talking. <laughs> you just look straight ahead. Now's a good time to go to the refrigerator. But that's the point. Is that you just hear... And you know what? It wears you down. It really wears you down. You start with this zeal. You start with this faith. But the truth is, 
the people that go from promise to realizing the promise are about two in a million, about two in a million. Because what happens is most people die of old age in the wilderness rather than remain young and go into the promised land and possess the promise. And God wants us to possess the promise. His word is full of promise. His word is full of purpose. But you know what? It's not the smartest and it's not the most eloquent and it's not the most gifted. It's the one that is wholehearted. You see, as we look at the text, I love this because Caleb says, I'm still full of enthusiasm. I'm still full of joy. Do you realize, I think half of the battle now is when you find someone that gets older in life and they're still enthusiastic, they're not cynical because of all the news reports that they've watched and all the disappointment, people letting you down or being disillusioned with life. A lot of us, we get to that midpoint of life and just think, you know what, it, it didn't happen like it was supposed to. And then we begin to doubt the trustworthiness of God. We begin to doubt the faithfulness of God. We start to get very cynical when it comes to other people because we think they're not really, you know, what they were. And, and that is when someone really starts to get old. That's when you just don't even want to be around them anymore because they're really old. They're old in their pattern of thinking. They're old in their pattern of speaking. They're old in every aspect of life. And Caleb goes, oh, no, I'm 85. Of course we know that he was physically older than he was at 40. Of course, 45 more years had passed. But somehow 45 years of doing laps around Mount Sinai and then going and possessing some of the promised land was not enough to quench the fire of God. That living water was still on the inside of him that just said, come on, my greatest. Imagine at 85 looking at your mountain going, oh, no, my best days are ahead of me, not behind me. You know, I'm not, I'm not retiring. You can go do what you want with that wheelchair. I, I am going. <laughs> I, I'm going after that mountain. And so I love that. And, you know, in verse 10, we can just look at this. We'll just take this apart a little bit. He says, now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years. I love this part. We'll go in further down the, in that scripture. It says, so here I am today. So here I am today. He's just saying, hey, I'm still here. God's kept me alive for 45 years. I had a bunch of complainers in the wilderness, but you know what? I'm still here. I had some enemies that tried to take me out, but I'm still here. There were giants in the land that were bigger than any of us, but you know what? I'm still here. I've lost a lot of people that I loved along the way, but guess what? I'm still here. I wonder if I'm talking to anyone today that's just still here. And I think half the battle is, you know what? I'm still here. I've had some relationship disasters, but guess what? I am still here. Maybe you've encountered some financial challenges, maybe even bankruptcy, maybe a dream went awry somewhere along the way. But you know what? You are still here. Maybe you did not get the ministry opportunity that you were believing God for, but somehow you're still here. Maybe you've encountered some, some dramatic physical challenges and health issues and the enemy has tried to take you out, but you're still here. I'm hoping that I'm talking today to some people that are still here, that if nothing else, you're still here. And sometimes you think, is that enough? I'm here to tell you, yes, it is. Sometimes you just got to look at the enemy and say, on your best day, you didn't take me out on my worst day. I am still here. I am still fighting. I'm still going. I'm still going to lay a hold of all of that for which Christ Jesus laid a hold of me. You're still here. He says, hey, I'm, I'm here. I'm 85. The enemy's tried everything, but I'm still here. I just figure that most of the time God uses the people that just simply outlast the devil. And I, I, people say to me, Christine, how is God using you so much? You know, here you are in your late 40s. I go, he's running out of options. 
because most don't make it this far. You know, when you start serving God and when you're a young woman, you know, and you could just change this over to if you're a guy and you start saying, you know, at 18, you're on an altar call. There's thousands of kids at a youth rally. You know, here I am, Lord. You know, remember that song? Send me to the nations as an ambassador for you, God. I'll go anywhere. I'll do anything. And then you, you just go, and Father, I will never compromise. I just want the man of God, the, the, the elite, lint chocolate, the one that you have, that, that special man. And Father, I won't compromise, and I'll serve you until he comes. And then God goes, awesome, Christine. So now for the next six years, you know, I just want you to drive 14-year-olds to youth group every week. You're not going to have any adult conversations. And no, no, you're going to drive. And so you go, and now you're in your mid-20s. And now you're ready, you know, they're going to say anyone that wants to just, you know, surrender everything to Jesus. So you go on an altar call and there's not hundreds or thousands anymore like when you're a teenager. Now there's like, you know, a few dozen of you that are going, okay, Lord, um, you know, God, I'll go anything. I'll go anywhere. I'll do anything. Just, you know, Lord, could I have a nice Christian man? So now you've gone from the man. <laughs> and, you know, you sort of, you, you, you've gone like from lint chocolate to Hershey's. You just kind of like, <laughs> options, God. God, there's options, just anywhere in that broad spectrum, you know, like Christian man, okay. And so now you get to your late 20s and, you know, your friends are now married and having grandchildren. Um, you're still serving in the youth ministry for $50 a week. They're buying investment properties. You have not been on a date in a decade. You don't even know if you're a woman anymore. You're like, okay, this is awesome. And then they call you out an altar call. And, and, you know, there's not the hundreds and there's not the dozens. Now there's, like, just a handful by then. Like, here I am, Lord. I'll, I'll do anything. I'll go anywhere. Just a male. Just male. <laughs> anyway, so you just kind of go. And then you kind of get to 47. And you go, whoa, where is everyone? Where's everyone that we started with? Where, where's everyone that said, God, I'll, I'll go anywhere. I'll, I'll do anything. I, I didn't know it was until I got married. I didn't know it was until I had kids. I didn't know it was only until I bought the house. I didn't know it was until I got the career. I didn't know that I was using Jesus to get the stuff. I thought I was following him forever. And as I followed him, yes, he's added unto my life by his grace and mercy. A great husband, great children, but they weren't the goal. Jesus is the goal. So we still do what we were always doing, which is pursuing Christ, who's the goal. So at 48, I go, hang on a minute, I'm as young now as when I started in ministry at 22. I'm as young now as I was then. Now God's promised me. So I'm going to continue to chase my Hebron. Some of you have got some Hebrons ahead of you and somewhere along the line you gave up on Hebron and you settled. Somewhere along the line you thought, you know what, I've done enough, I've gone enough. I don't know who I'm speaking to on the other side of this screen, but you are not finished yet. Your greatest days are not behind you. They are ahead of you. If you are still breathing and you're still watching this, there is no place to stop. God still has a plan, purpose and destiny. He says, I'm still here. I wonder if you're still here. Because it's interesting that your rusty dusty can be sitting in a seat or on that couch, but you're not here. You're not here. Your body's here, but you're not here. I could tell that when, you know, I'm speaking to an audience initially, you could tell whether, whether someone is here or whether they're here. You can see that all the time. You can be on a... You hear commentators in a sporting match. They'll talk about, you know, he's on the field, but he just doesn't seem to be here. He's not really engaged. You could be married to someone and you could be lying in the same bed as them, but you're not there. You could be living in the same house, but you're not there. If you're watching this and you're a student, how often are you in your class in your body? But you're not there, but we'll just look straight ahead right now. But, you know, it's like... So you could be here without being here. I wonder how, much time, how many times we're in church and we're here, but we're not here. But Caleb says, hey, I'm still here. 
I'm still here. I'm not just here in my body turning up to some religious, boring obligation and just kind of going through the motions waiting to die to get to heaven. But I am here. I am all in. I am all engaged. I want God to use me. I want to make a difference in my generation. I am here. And then he goes on. I love this part because in verse 8, but my brothers who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt with fear. You know, I don't know how you can take this book and turn it into something that is depressing and turn it into something that is hopeless and turn it into something that is judgmental. This book is alive. The Bible says it's living, it's active, it's sharper. This book is alive. It is full of life. It is full of hope. I mean, Jesus saved my life, but this word transformed my mind. This word is what keeps me alive. I don't know. You have to work hard to make the word of God negative and critical and judgmental and just full of condemnation. This book is full of hope. This is a book full of purpose. This is a book full of life because Jesus is in this book and he is rivers of living water and he says you get this into you they'll flow out of you never make the hearts of the people melt because if you make the hearts of the people melt you'll keep a generation out of their destiny whenever I stand up behind this pulpit whenever I speak to you on the other side of that screen I'm going to speak hope and purpose into you there is enough hopelessness in this world and I don't know if anyone's read the end of the book but I have and guess what we win have you ever been have you ever been into the locker room of a losing team it is like so depressing. It is so boring. It is like so morbid. Everyone's just like so somber. Everyone looks like they're going to a funeral. It's kind of like some churches on a Sunday morning. But then you go into the locker room of a winning team and everyone's high-fiving and everyone's excited and everyone's just on fire and everyone's all in. Well, you know what? That's why I'm excited whenever I teach the Word of God because when you've read the end of the book and you know we have not only a resurrected Saviour but He's also coming again and we live between the two advents of Christ. So regardless of the pain and the suffering, as dramatic and as devastating it is on the earth, we live with hope because Jesus Christ is coming again and that great hope gets us out of bed every day. That great hope gets us out of bed every day. And you know, Christine, as I think about the, the horror of evil being manifested so openly around the world, that you could almost see the day or the moment coming when we would just cry out, get us out of here. I don't really think we're, we're there yet. I don't think we're going to be there until the church, the body of Christ, is seen like Jesus so that we know as people around the world who it is we are receiving or rejecting. That it's not religion. It's not dissension and division. It's this incredible, magnetic, powerful person so full of love. And we see him in his body, the church the church adorned in the glory of his manifest revealed presence. I honestly think that's going to happen. And you know what? As serious as things are, and the only shelter we've got is the shelter of the Almighty, living in his shadow. And we've got to go there and live there and reveal him. But I really do believe that the anger that was thrust on him could someday be thrust on the whole church. And he'll get us. I want us to live with the blessed hope, Christ in us, the hope of his glory revealed to the world. Let's live that way. Betty, one of the ways that Jesus said we reveal who he is is when we notice the least, the overlooked. 
but people think nobody noticed, nobody cares. When we can show them the love of God, not just talk about it, but show it to them, this is one of the greatest ways that we can show the love of God. You will be, I think, inspired as you listen to Tammy Trent and as you look through the eyes of Jesus and say, this is our chance to reveal Jesus. Watch closely. Where do you even begin to tell, uh, to tell their story? Her sister was killed tragically by drinking contaminated water in this village. Ella murió que le pegó un empacho también en la barriga y la misma agua la hizo también que. Solo aquí de la mente, solo agua no más que hay. Más allá de donde. I know she fights every single day with the fear for her own life, for the life of her children, the life of her family, and probably her friends in the same village. The thing is, I, I looked at that water source, and it is the worst water I could ever imagine drinking, let alone give to my children. El agua porque tiene malos parásitos el agua. Así que me siento mal por darle el agua a estas niñas porque por lo mismo que murió las tías de ella. There's a huge need here. When I sit here and I listen to a story like that, I think, what could I do to help her? Because I feel so connected to her. Of course, my heart feels connected. Sometimes it seems so overwhelming. Um, and I know that it takes more than just me to make a difference. And that's why I'm here to ask you to help me, to partner with me in making a difference into this little girl's life into her life and every other person that I've seen here today. We know how to do it. We have the vision. We have all the passion in the world to change this community and to bring them water, life-giving water. Let's do something today. Let's change the circumstances. Won't you join me today in making a difference? And yes, I believe we will, Tammy. And I thank Tammy Trent for being such an incredible mission outreach partner with us. I want to ask all of you to simply take action right now. I believe you care. I believe you are grateful for the water and the opportunity you have to have health. And you know, even in our advanced countries, like here in the United States or Canada and many places all over Europe, people even go and drink bottled water because they want to be sure they get the freshest possible water. These precious people have no access to anything but filthy contaminated water, but it is available. And the missionaries bring us not only the information about the need and the inspiration to want to do something, but the confirmation that the water is accessible. Sometimes we have to go very deep. Most of the times we can reach it 150 to 250 feet. And that means that we are able to stay on a fairly economical basis. In many areas, they know the water is subsurface because the, the people have drilled a borehole and the borehole reaches water where they can actually reach it by drilling, but it becomes contaminated, it becomes filthy just from not having any protection. What we do is go in the air and give them a steel cased well. We give them a manual pump. We can't give them an electrical pump because the electricity is intermittent. This means a child can actually pump it and get water. So it is accessible. We have actually Betty at some of the schools and we try to feed children at schools. We'll try to put water close to it, but we've actually put it in a, in a, a little merry-go-round where the children can push it. And then it pumps up into a holding reservoir. Then it gives more water. 
So we're able to, to use the creative energy of the wonderful caring missionaries and the resources and support of people like you. So would you do this, please, right now? If we can drill a water well for $4,800, that's the average. If you can drill one, we believe you will. So would you go online, lifetoday.org, and make that gift, use a bank card like a check, or dial the number, use the bank card, and say we're giving a well. And we know many people can't do that. We understand that. Most of the money that comes in for wells comes from people who give $48 or $72 or $144. 48 gives 10 people water the rest of their life. That's about what it takes. That's the average. $144 will give 30 people water the rest of their life. If you can give at any level, please go online or dial the number and make the gift God put on your heart. You're actually giving far more than a monetary gift. You're giving these people a chance at life. And we're going to let them know it was because of the love of God, not only expressed through the missionaries, but through people like you who gave them water. Would you please go online right now? We have some gifts for you that will be a blessing and an inspiration to say thank you for giving life. And from the bottom of our heart, I say thanks. Every day, millions of children are forced to make a dreadful choice, drink filthy, polluted water filled with deadly disease, or die from thirst. No child should ever be faced with this decision. The good news is there is a solution. Mission Water for Life is one of the most exciting and viable demonstrations of God's love in the world today. Suffering can end because clean water changes everything. With your gift today, we can establish and drill 500 water wells for remote villages in over 12 different nations. Your gift of $24 will help provide clean water for five people. A gift of $48 will help provide for 10 people. $72 will impact 15 people. And $144 will help provide fresh, clean, disease-free water for 30 people for a lifetime. With your gift, you'll receive the brand new Free To Be Me 40-Day Devotional where Betty shares the challenges, victories, and insights God gave her while struggling through fear and insecurity. You'll also receive Betty's book, Free To Be Me. With your gift of $100 or more, you may request Life's Inspirational Coffee Mug Set featuring encouraging quotes and scripture to brighten your mornings for years to come. Finally, please consider a gift of $1,200 to help provide water for 250 people or a gift of $4,800 to help sponsor a complete well and request this beautifully framed canvas print of the Forest Chapel by the painter of light, Thomas Kincaid. Please call, write, or make your gift online today. Well, Betty and I say thank you, but we also pray together God's blessings on you as you have blessed others. I do hope you'll Make the greatest gift you can to help us share water with as many. Remember, you go online, lifetoday.org. That's the greatest way to give. Or you can write a check to life, call that number, and say, here's my card. I want to put it on my bank card, or I'm mailing a check. Tell us what you're sending. Thank you so much. And to all of you here, thank you for encouraging us and praying for us. Thank you for watching. Tell your friends to watch Life Today every day.
be sure to visit stream.org, a rich and lively source for breaking news, analysis, and entertainment. Stream.org. Ricky Tejada's wife was killed by a drunk driver. He has a 0.18 blood alcohol level, and I have a dead wife. Tomorrow. Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.